Every team on the schedule for Ole Miss this year has questions. We'll go over what those questions are. See, it's not just Ole Miss dealing with it. It's everybody. This is the Locked On Ole Miss podcast. You are locked on Ole Miss. Your daily podcast on the Ole Miss Rebels. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Thanks for making the Locked On Ole Miss podcast your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcast and on YouTube. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Also, today's episode is brought to you by Bird Dogs. Go to birddogs.com slash college, all one word. And when you enter promo code LOCKEDONCOLLEGE, they'll throw in a free custom Bird Dogs Yeti-style tumbler with every order. Hi, I'm Stephen Willis, and this is the Locked On Ole Miss podcast. Now, we have talked about Ole Miss football for months at this point, getting ready for the 2023 season. And everybody around the SEC is doing the same thing. And whenever you do that, the warts of your own team, they expose themselves and you focus on them. And these are the problem areas. And this is what's going to do us in, essentially. Is this the is this the key thing that is going to ruin exactly what we have planned? Well, other teams are doing that exact same thing. Other teams have warts as well. Other teams are not slam dunks to have a great season, even if they're slated to have a great season. See Texas A&M last year. See Auburn the last couple of years. There are programs that have blue blood expectations of what's going on that they just won't hit them. Now, so let's go over the schedule this year and kind of talk about some of those opponents' warts and why we can be as high on this Ole Miss program as we are and with the warts that we talk about at the same time. Now, Ole Miss still has to do it. It still has to be done. But there are questions elsewhere that could make this a little easier or a little harder. We thought last year the Kentucky game was going to be absolutely massive. It was a top 10 game. I think Kentucky was seventh in the country. I think they finished in the Music City Bowl in about six and six. You just don't know at this point of the year. There's Every team has questions. You don't know how it's going to play out. You can play it out on paper, and you can do that thing where you take a data point and stretch it to eternity, but that is never going to be correct. Let's start out with the Mercer Bears. It's like, what? What are you talking about, Steve? Yeah, the Mercer Bears. Now, this is a game that no matter what happens, Ole Miss should win this game handily. But I do want to bring up the Mercer Bears because apparently they have a punt returner that feels still rated in one of the top NFL prospects for the year. So that's something to keep an eye on as well, the Mercer Bears. Although this is a game that Ole Miss should win relatively easily. Now, the second game is against the Tulane Green Wave. What is their question? Well, their question is Ty J. Spears no longer plays for them. Now, they do have Pratt, Michael Pratt, playing quarterback, and he's a good guy, but he completed 40% of his passes against a very mediocre USC defense, even though they won the game and he had the winning pass to do it. Ty J. Spears, who averaged 12 yards a carry in that game and led them on their historic run last season, is no longer there. Ty J. Spears will be a fun watch in the NFL if anybody's interested in that. Georgia Tech, their question is a new staff, new quarterback. It's going to be a new-look team over the team that Ole Miss beat 42 to nothing in Atlanta last year. 
I still say this game is the hardest non-conference game on Ole Miss's schedule. They're going to come out ready to play. We'll see what happens. I, I, I think with Buster Faulkner, who honestly is the cousin of my SEC After Dark um, co-host, Corey Burton, Georgia Tech is going to probably be a much more productive, much more modern-looking offense in 2023, although this is another game that I expect to win. I, Ole Miss goes anything other than 4-0 in non-conference. It, it's, it's a poor season, and I will say that right now. So now we've got the non-conference out of the way, right? And we got Louisiana Monroe later in the season, but, yeah, I mean, that's obviously a win as well. Alabama Crimson Tide. What questions do the Alabama Crimson Tide have going into the season? Well, I posed a question on Twitter. And I was like, which Alabama unit is amongst the top five units that Nick Saban has had at Alabama? And I got defensive line, one reply. One person replied defensive line, which, you know, with Otis and all that on the defensive line, it could be there. But Will Anderson has gone. They had a linebacker. It's not as good as last year at linebacker. Defensive back is a little bit iffy, could be young. Quarterback, no chance. Running back, eh, maybe, maybe. But, I mean, there's no Najee Harris right now on that team. Um, offensive line, no. Wide receiver, no. Tight end, no. And you just see that they have questions, especially offensively, of what they can do. They have two new quarterback coordinators and Tommy Reese, and um, Kevin Steele. And I, I'm not saying this Alabama team is not going to be good. I'm just saying this isn't a typical Alabama team. This may be a team that honestly might have a ceiling of, a, of the Citrus Bowl this season. That might be the ceiling for Alabama football. And if you, I, you're not going to make me believe that Ole Miss can't win that game. Now, I'm not going to say Ole Miss is going to win that game. I'm saying that Ole Miss can win that game. They can completely walk in there and overwhelm them um, offensively to the point where Alabama's offense can't really keep up. And don't underestimate the fact that um, Pete Golding knows where all the skeletons are on that defense because the defense doesn't change. That's that's the amazing thing. The defense doesn't really change. It's terminology and everything's exactly the same. Now, one interesting thing on this schedule, and this is one thing that makes it actually difficult, is it goes from Alabama and then to LSU at home. And traditionally, you don't do well against Alabama coming off the game, but I, I genuinely don't know. LSU is an interesting question because Jaden Daniels, where does he sit? Is he, um, is he turned that corner to where he's just a consistent-style quarterback? Or does he revert to the first half of last season as opposed to the way it ended? I, I don't know. LSU doesn't have a lot of holes. Harold Perkins can be actually be used. He's a monster on defense. But this LSU team, especially in Oxford, can be gotten, especially with the talent that Ole Miss has. Ole Miss started off really well. They probably won that game, honestly, if Zach Evans would have played. And quite interesting. As we move into October, you have Arkansas. What questions do the Arkansas Razorbacks have? Well, that main question that I have is they have two new coordinators. How does the Kendall Bryles fit on offense adjust to a Dan Enos system on offense? 
whenever you remove tempo at such a high level, does that affect them? Now, they have Rocket Sanders, fine player. They have K.J. Jefferson, fine player. But remember Derek King at Houston. And under Kendall Bryles, he was essentially an All-American, All-World type player. After he left, he wasn't quite the same guy. Ended up at Miami. He's kind of bounced around a little bit. But still the same player that was at Houston. The system just makes traits that are available in quarterbacks come out a little bit better. Ole Miss then gets a bye week, and then they get the Auburn Tigers. Their questions are obvious. How do they make up with a seemingly lack of talent with a new first-year coach? The, now, this game is going to be Auburn Super Bowl. I've already heard from people on the Plains that this game will be Auburn Super Bowl um, because Hugh Freeze wants to beat Ole Miss because of everything that's happened, every, the tweet after the Liberty game, the whole nine yards. Hugh Freeze wants that game, so he's going to pull out all the stops. And if that game is a night game in Jordan-Hare, that game could get squirrely. I've told people all the time that I can envision a scenario where Ole Miss goes 10-2, and two, but one of those losses is not Alabama. I think that Ole Miss could lose that game on the Plains just because of how emotionally charged it could be. Think Tennessee in 2021. That is what that game could be. So I do want to let you know that today's um, show is brought to you by Bird Dogs. Um, and if you are exercising and you want comfortable clothes and you're always outside, and especially in the state of Florida, it becomes quite an interesting scenario um, for basically everybody that's doing it because you're going to sweat a little bit in the state of Florida. It's warm. Heat index is over 100 degrees today. Um, but they have anti-stink sweating, weeping, weaking fabric that keeps you cool and dry all day long. They have flexible mesh material. They have liners. It is simply the most comfortable shorts you'll ever wear. And if you walk as much as I do, you know that walking is a self-teaching tool. If you don't believe me, go for a mile walk in a pair of swim trunks. And you can understand exactly why it's important to wear the right gear when you're out doing it. Anyway, show yourself um, to the birddogs.com locked on college website. Enter promo code locked on college for your free Yeti style tumbler with your order. That is birddogs.com slash locked on college and enter promo code locked on college for a free Yeti style tumbler with your order. That's pretty cool deal. And it is the most comfortable shorts you will ever put on. You can believe me that if you get these, you will end up in my comments telling me exactly how right I was. It just is what it is, honestly. Honestly, thanks for making the Locked On Ole Miss podcast your first listen every day. Every day or tomorrow on the show, we're not really going to react to the schedule release right now tonight because we're having to record this early because that Wednesday night I had two shows, including a Locked On live stream and then SEC After Dark. So it was hard for me to react because I didn't want to stay up to 3 o'clock in the morning. So we're going to react a little bit on Friday. We're going to talk about Damon Williams and the Elite 11 on Friday. And I hope everybody has a great weekend as this goes because, hey, we are entering the worst month for college football fans, and that is the month before media days. We're going to try to make it work. Some of the topics could be a little bit outlandish. I'll just put it like that in, in, instantly. All right. We are talking about questions that Ole Miss's opponents have. 
and why that I am so high on Ole Miss because most people look at their own team, they see their own warts, they move on to the other team, and they just assume the other team is going to be fine. That's just the way fandom works just because you don't necessarily see how, you know, you don't follow them day to day and you don't see those warts. So the Vanderbilt Commodores at home, I'm okay with that. I do like A.J. Swan. I do like that wide receiver. Vanderbilt, offensively, they they were the team that actually figured out Chris Partridge last year. They were the team that was able to take advantage of what he did, and then everybody followed that blueprint after that. So we'll see. I, I think Vandy will have trouble out-talenting Ole Miss, especially in Vaughn Hemingway. But I do like some of their players. Their question is, do, can they get enough players to win games? Can they get to a bowl game? That is Vanderbilt's question going into 2023. Texas A&M and Vaude Stadium. One of the stories that everybody's going to talk about, and they're, can Jimbo Fisher and Bobby Petrino coexist? If they can, this offense has a chance to be good. They have Ruben Owens, who has a chance to be a breakout, breakout running back. They have all those wide receivers. The offensive line, they they have a large number of people that they have recruited very well to get. The problem for Texas A&M is they can't beat Mississippi schools. And that has been the case ever since they came into the league. And I'll believe they're going to beat Mississippi State when they do. So we'll see exactly what A&M is able to do. But if Jimbo Fisher and Bobby Petrino can coexist, this offense could be a bear. But if Bobby Petrino falls into those traps that he's done many times before, he walked out on the Atlanta Falcons, the motorcycle wreck at Arkansas. He basically tried a coup against Tommy Tuberville to be placed on the throne at Auburn. Bobby Petrino does things, and everybody is going to be looking for that meltdown, and they should. Texas A&M deserves this for hiring him to begin with, but the reward could be pretty fantastic because I do like Connor Wigman. I do like that Texas A&M offense personnel-wise. I think Ruben Owens is going to be a dude. At Georgia Bulldogs. Now, you look for questions with Georgia. This is a team that is absolutely unbelievably stacked. The only thing that I can come up with is that Todd Monken is gone and Mike Bobo has returned to Georgia where he has struggled, maybe we can say, the first time he came through. And Georgia does not have a quarterback. Their defense is expected to be the top in college football. They have the best offensive line in football. If you want to talk about trenches being the key in the SEC, Georgia's number one offensively and defensively. That's a good – that bodes well for them. Their running backs are always going to be solid. Their wide receivers have been filled up through the transfer portal. That's where Ra Ra Thomas went. And um, Missouri's best receiver from last year went there as well. Not many holes on this team. But if you want questions that even Georgia fans have, it is the fact that Mike Bobo coming back as offensive coordinator and a quarterback competition that is at best interesting. It looks like it's going to be Carson Beck, but we'll see exactly what they do. Georgia has a really good chance to three-peat this season. But also looking at the schedule, not counting the SEC championship game, Ole Miss is probably the second most difficult game on that schedule. So it's pretty interesting. ULM, I have no doubts that Ole Miss can beat ULM. Um, if Ole Miss doesn't, it's a problem at Mississippi State. Now, the air raid system that Mike Leach ran 
is like putting ethanol in a gas tank. Eventually that car becomes kind of addicted to it. And it makes a system change difficult, slower than it normally otherwise would be. Now it'd be quicker in the transfer portal, but slower than it would be otherwise because of the way the specificity of what Mike Leach recruited to a system, God rest his soul. Now Zach Arnett is coaching that team and he is adjusted to offensive system wise to what Appalachian State ran in 2022. You're going to see a lot of outside zones. You're going to see a lot of stretch plays. You're going to see them run some interesting stuff. I like the system. I'm just curious of whether or not the personnel at Mississippi State is going to be able to pull it off. Now, you might have some guys that weren't total fits for what they were doing last year that's going to completely show out this year. I'm not saying that is against the realm of possibility, but Will Rogers has a chance to be a decent quarterback, but I, I'm whenever somebody refers to somebody as a system quarterback, I am interesting to see exactly how he will be able to pull it out in the um, system moving forward on Appalachian State. Defensively, they have questions in the defensive backfield. They have questions about who will replace Tyrus Week. Their linebackers are pretty good. Zach Arnett's a defensive guy. They're going to be able to play defense. That That's just the way they do. But if you want to look at questions, I just listed questions all the way through several programs, including the top program in college football, to show you why it's not a slam dunk no matter where you are. You have a situation where if your decision does not work, you're in trouble. And that's important to know um, with all the teams on the schedule. That's the reason I say that Ole Miss can go 10 and 2. Ole Miss can go six and six, but Ole Miss can go 10 and two. Likely it's somewhere in the middle, but we'll see. If everything goes right, if everything plays well, if you have a nice little run, if you catch the teams on your schedule at the right time, this has a chance to be very good. It genuinely helps to have Arkansas at home. <clears throat> it genuinely helps to have Texas A&M at home. Georgia on the road, Alabama on the road, Auburn on the road. Win one of three of those. And if you do that with the Mississippi State game on the road, you'll be all right. But that is exactly what's going on. When we come back, we'll talk about DeMond Williams at the Elite 11 um, Finals. I think that started yesterday. We'll keep tabs of that. We'll talk about him today. We'll talk about him tomorrow and give him an update, give an update of him at the Elite 11 as he pushes for that coveted spot as well. Anyway, stick around. Thanks again for making the Locked On Ole Miss podcast your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcast and on YouTube. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team, every day. Every day is tomorrow on the show. We'll talk about DeMond Williams at the Elite 11 more. We'll react a little bit to the schedule, and we'll get you primed for your weekend as we are entering the, the worst month for college football fans on the calendar, but we're going to press through Ole Miss every day. That's our motto. That's what we want to do. We do this honestly for you. All right. So Damon Williams is out in California at the elite 11 finals and he competed at the regional in Oxford, Mississippi, which is weird for somebody from um, Arizona. It showed how committed he was to the Ole Miss program 
and what's going on. It, it really feels like DeMond is all in. And he showed out and did pretty well at the regional in Oxford, but he didn't get the immediate invite. So everybody was worried about that. He kind of got waitlisted. But this year, kind of different in years past, is they didn't offer that many people on the spot. I think they only offered like four or five or six players on the spot at the regional. So they had to fill up to get their 20 quarterbacks towards the end. So Damon Williams made that cut. You talk about somebody that we talk about this all the time. And my everydayers can attest to this. He's a guy that whenever actual football is played is actually when he shines. He is not somebody built for the camp setting, no matter how crazy or weird the drill is that he does. He's not built for a camp setting, but he still showed out at a high level to where he was amongst the top 20 quarterbacks that the Elite 11 saw this season, okay? Mariel White is also going to be out there with him. That's probably good news as well. Now, he's out there with Dylan Raola, and I've mentioned this a couple of times on the show. Dylan Raola played DeMond Williams twice last year. That was Chandler, Arizona, and Basha. And they played twice last year, and DeMond was the winner both times. Actually won the game. Did what he needed to do. Won the game. And the difference is, um, DeMond Williams is six foot tall. Maybe. Um, Dylan Raola is the big prototype statuesque quarterback with a all the measurables known to man. I think this is seriously going to be a scenario where you have your Bryce Young versus your Josh Allen type quarterback as far as this class. Damon Williams, four-star, can make all the throws, surprisingly strong arm, runs an 11-1, 100-meter dash, uh, I think a 20.1, 200-meter dash. He's a track guy. He can run. If you watch his film on huddle, you can see exactly how he can be pretty special and what he can do. There's one play on there where he busted up the middle, breaks a tackle, spins around, ends up like a 70-yard touchdown. Just a special type play. What is going to be make or break for Damon Williams, and this is why the Elite 11 is probably important for him, is his pass game. If they can refine his pass game, which it is fine, by the way. I'm not complaining about where it is in high school. It's just a situation where you go to a camp to try and refine, refine one scenario. Like, for instance, you have Jackson Dart at the Manning quarterback or Manning Passing Academy this summer as well. He's trying to refine his game as well as teach these young passers um, of the ball. So it will be interesting to see that as well. I, I'm pretty excited, and I've been really bullish on Damon Williams for months at this point. And I just want him to sign and get on the campus as soon as possible, honestly. It's, it's something that it, just the benefit for Ole Miss would be pretty fantastic. Now, when looking at the actual Elite 11, as far as the numbers of Ole Miss quarterbacks that have been in the Elite 11, I think it was Zach Barry from On3, the Ole Miss spirit that came up with this list, um, and he did the legwork on it. But there was something very interesting to me, okay? Walker Howard was an Elite 11 person. Chad Kelly. Um, Jevin Sneed 
was an Elite 11 guy. And then you have like Barry Brunetti as well, who's another transfer quarterback. And you start naming names and, and, and then gets down into the mid-2015s, essentially. And you get Shea Patterson, who ended up being a bust. And then the next year was Matt Corral. This, this was the year that it kind of turned around a little bit. And DeMond Williams possesses a lot of the traits that Matt Corral does. And especially if DeMond can grow another inch or two and get to that height of Matt Corral, you could have a pretty special player on your hands. But if you looked at that list before Ole Miss's last, before the Matt Corral thing, the main really good quarterbacks that are trendsetters in this Ole Miss history were quarterbacks that transferred in. Ole Miss had difficulty getting that elite 11 quarterback in the high school ranks. They were able to get them to transfer in, but getting them in that high school ranks was kind of interesting. Other players like Randall Cotton and some people that didn't just quite make it were on that list as well. But after Matt Corral, you have a situation where since, what is it, 2018, 2017, 2016, in the last 10 years, Ole Miss has like five Elite 11 quarterbacks, and it's a mixture of high school and transfer guys. You do have the Walker Howards who went to LSU as a true freshman, but you do have the Matt Corral. You do have Shea Patterson, who really showed out at his Elite 11, even if it was a bust in college. Um, so it's going to be very interesting. This is just another step in the journey along the way for Ole Miss. Ole Miss had a long way to go. Ole Miss was a powerhouse in the 1950s, in the early 60s. Started to go down in the mid-60s. In the 70s, went way down. In the 80s, hit the floor. Started to rebuild in the 80s. In the 90s, they got up a little bit better. In the 2000s, they got up a little bit better. 2015s, 2010s, they got up to Access Bowl New Year's, New Year's Six level. Peach Bowl, Sugar Bowl. In the 2020s, they've already been to a Sugar Bowl. They've maintained that, and Ole Miss has become a consistent player in the Southeastern Conference. To continue that trajectory is stuff like this Elite 11. And whenever you get on the field, you need to win games. And as Ole Miss takes that next step, it's getting to the point where the playoff is an arm's reach to them. It's getting to the point as a program that Ole Miss football can kind of start being thought about as an upper-level SEC team. Even though in the last – we did the tiers yesterday, Ole Miss was a Tier 2 team. But over the last couple of years, Ole Miss is pretty consistently ranked. They've done Sugar Bowls. They, they've honestly replaced what the Auburn Tigers used to be, honestly. And we'll see. Like again, Hugh Freeze, we talked about the question. He's going to try and get Auburn back to where they were. Lane Kiffin is trying to build Ole Miss and try and get them to the next level. Should be pretty interesting. And I hope everybody enjoys what's going on. Anyway, we'll talk to you tomorrow. Thank you for making the Locked On Ole Miss podcast your first listen every day. Every day is tomorrow on the show. Damon Williams at the Elite 11 Finals. We'll talk about how he is doing. And we'll also react a little bit to the schedule release. And because I had to record this before the release, just because I had two live streams 
during the night to handle as well. So I hope everybody has a good Friday. Um, I hope everybody has a good Thursday, I should say, and enjoy this. And I will talk to you tomorrow. Hotty toddy.